Okay, recording in progress. Uh, so I want to be before we talk about so before we kind of go into the blessings or dig into the blessings, I really want to spend a few minutes talking about and discussing who Bilam was, because Bilam is a very complicated character. Uh, I think I think Judy you pointed this out during your Sukkotora uh, speech that this is the first, and I think I said you mentioned right, really the only moment in the Torah when we get a glimpse of the Jewish people externally, right? That this is right, where they're being where they're being talked about by someone else. Right? I mean we have with Pare, right, you know, in the beginning of Shweis, there is a there is a uh, you know a uh, kind of a moment there. But over here the Jews really play no part in Parsha's book. Meaning to say they have no, they're, 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 they are the object, but they're not actually taking part of the story. And it's all about Bilam and Balak. Now, Bilam and Balak, if you look at the Midrashim, at the Gemaras, who these people were, it's fascinating. There's a Gemara that says that, that how do we know that, that there's a principle of that from somebody who does things, even for the wrong reasons, good things will eventually uh, come out. One of the proofs is Balak. And it says because of the 14 sacrifices that Balak brought to God, Mashiach comes from him. Because there's a Medrash that says that, that Rus was actually a descendant of Balak, because Eglon was a descendant of Balak, which makes sense. The royal line uh, continues, and we know that Rus, okay, it's a, uh, uh, that Rus comes from Eglon, right? And Eglon comes from uh, Balak, according to this. And there's an interesting thing that Balak, while bringing sacrifices to destroy the Jewish people, the merits of those sacrifices create the eventual redeemer of the Jewish people, which is very ironic. Another interesting thing is that Bilam. Bilam has this fascinating journey throughout this parsha. There's the famous Medrash, it's, it's, it's brought in uh, Tanchuma, in the end of Bamidbar and Dvarim, that Bilam was given, as there's the the, the Medrash says, that the, at, at, that at the end of the days the non-Jews will come and complain and they'll say it's not fear. Had we had a prophet like Moshe, we would have also been been righteous. Um, and Hashem will say, look, I gave you Bilam, who was someone like Moshe, and all Bilam managed to do was was uh, create massive sin and was not the best guy. But this is a very difficult measure because what does it help that they gave the non-Jews a prophet who was clearly a bum? I mean, right? Who, if you follow the uh, Midrashic accounts, which are incredibly creative, of just how bad Belem was, bestiality, you know, the, the Mishnah in uh, Perkeyavo says, what are the three signs of the student of Bilam? It's arrogance, ayin ra, right? Bilam is is this kind of terrible, terrible character. And if Bilam is this terrible character, then what do you mean you gave the, the other nations a fighting chance, right? He was a believer in God, but morally and kind of ethically who he was, yeah, he was a believer in the Jewish God. And it, so that's very interesting to me because if you look at the way he talks to God about the Jews coming, I don't really think it's hard. 
it's hard to, if you look at the verses over here, it's hard to assume that Bilam contextualized him as a Jewish guy. Because if you look, um, but no, no, you're right. Yeah, you know exactly. You know, here's the verse. I'm just saying, it, it's it's striking to me how it seems from the text that he did not really kind of understand or internalize that there was any kind of special connection between this God and the Jews. Because if you look at the verses over here, um, he says, look at, at at chapter 22, verse nine. Right. Uh, so it says, uh, uh, so, so, uh, so, uh, so verse nine, God comes to Bilam and he says, who are these people with you? So Bilam tells God, he sent, there's a nation that came out of Egypt, Right? If Bilam, yeah, no, he's quoting Balak, but the way he's talking to, right, if let's say we, we kind of contextualize, right, we, we, that Bilam has the context of this is Hashem who took the Jews out and all this whole, this whole relationship, then is he playing? Is he playing? He, he seems to be. Kind of, there is this large nation that's coming to invade. They came out of Egypt. They're chisas eina arets. They're kind of this, you know, gigantic threat, right? We kind of they're covering. So and so, you know, I, I want to go and curse them. And you can say that he's kind of playing naive. I, I don't know. To me, that's not, you know, that's not. You know, it could be that again, yeah, that yes, that he had an awareness of God as a universal God. Elokei Yisrael was something that. The Jews had heard at Sinai that Hashem had a special relationship with them, right? The Yehudli, Mamlechas Kohanim, the Gol Kadosh, but that wasn't necessarily universally known. God's special relationship with the Jews, meaning Bilam finds out about this later uh, in pretty extreme ways, but he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily know this at that. Point. So Bilam, Bilam is cast as this person who is, in some sense, the counterbalance to Moshe. For those of us who've watched The Matrix, right, there's the Neo versus Agent Smith, right? And so, so, right, so there's this kind of counterbalance to Moshe. Um, but the mission in Perkeyavos actually does not compare him to Moshe. The mission in Perkeyavos compares him to Avraham. So getting up in the morning, right, Avayash came as a Hamaro, very good, Avraham, saddling his donkey. The both have a donkey, right? The, the and it's funny. Avram was never criticized for having a donkey, but for some reason, Bilam is. There's a whole discussion. Why doesn't he ride a horse and not a donkey? I always find that interesting. Oh. <laughs> but the Farshim savaged Bilam for things that they would not criticize if they if it was Avram. Exactly. That is, they are like contemporary politics. If your side does it, it's just fine. Your side, side does it. it they, they have an iron ra on Billy. Yeah. And there is a discussion about this by the laws of Dan Lekafs Chos. That there's, a, there's an obligation to judge everybody favorably. However, by, for evil people, there's actually a mitzvah to try to judge them unfavorably. 
And the reason is, is because if somebody is cast as kind of evil, we're supposed to try to learn from everything that they do, kind of a negative lesson, right? Like, don't be like that person we know of evil, don't do behavior like that, which they do. They become almost like an object, like an object, objective. In some, <laughs> in some sense, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I listen, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, but okay, so that's all. So Bilam is very interesting because Bilam starts off as evil, right? Then he has this massive epiphany. Well, base, let's start with that, right? He wants to curse the Jewish people. He wants to destroy them. You can say, well, they're coming to him with, you know, from their perspective, right? Legitimate threat. He's coming. But God tells him not to go. Well, exactly. But the problem is that God tells him not to go. And then he still wants to go. And Things go south for him, right? And all these embarrassing things with the donkey talking to him and talking back and this whole discussion, all these aggression. And, and then, as we're going to see, Bilaam has a come to God moment, right? He, God, he puts words in his mouth the first two times. Then Bilaam sees that it was not the will of God to curse the Jews. We're going to see in the language, he turns to the desert and he begins to prophesize the way Moshe prophesied. He begins to have direct revelation. It's not a vision that comes to him directly. And it's an incredibly holy moment. And Balak gets very angry at him. And Balaam says, what do you want from me? This is what God wants. And but, end of story. Then we have the Midrashim that <laughs> Balaam doesn't stop there. He then teaches Balak about the whole idea about sending sending the, the, the prostitutes of, 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 of Midian or the and making them sit, and eventually Bilam is killed, right, by this whole interesting uh, Midrashic episode where Bilam is flying, and Aaron shows him his sits, and he falls onto a sword. Um, it's, one, it's one of Chaim Shamshin's favorite uh, uh, stories, yeah. And, and if you look, there's a very strange Gemara in Gittin. The Gemara in Gittin has this very interesting passage where what Onkelos is trying to uh, convert using necromancy, he communicates with various kind of historical sinners. So Titos and Bilo. And, and with all of them, he says, you know, who are kind of, who, who are the, you know, uh, right? Who is Am Nechbat? Uh, he says, Yisrael. So he says, should I, should I go become part of them? And Bilam says, have nothing to do. Yeah. And then he asks Bilam, how are you suffering right now? And the Gemara has a very, very creative, creative um, uh, uh, Gehenna for Bilo. So in the Gemara's narrative, right, Bilam stays evil even after death. He hates the Jews, right? Bilam kind of never repents. Right? And, and so what happens here? He has this incredible epiphany, right? He's in the desert. He sees how God loves the Jewish people and all these, you know, all these different uh, amazing things. And still somehow he stays evil. Not only that, the Gemara in, in uh, Sanhedrin, I believe, says that all the blessings of Bilam turn to curses with the exception of Matov. Meaning even though he gave them as blessings, it, no, no, so, it, so it went from curses to blessings, and then it went back. It all flipped back except for the blessings of Matov. So, so even kind of the, the effect of Bilam, right, reverses most. What is it like? 
So we don't know what those curses were. The Gemara just says, But he never really curses. So it's not clear what the Gemara is talking about. So it could be that it was the curse of uh, Calais, which the Gemara and Bracha says, because Gemara and struggles that if the time of God's anger is kind of really small uh, amount of time, what kind of curse could, because the Gemara says, right, that how would he have, have cursed the Jews? Because God has this moment of anger every single day, whatever that means, right? And, and he would have to, fit the, and the Gemara calculates how long is this? Is this minute? Is this it's a couple of seconds? And the Gemara says, okay, well, what could he possibly say? You know, and the Gemara says, Calais. Calais, which is destroy, and that's enough. Uh, there, there's another, the Gemara has another approach that all you have to do is start at that moment. And in fact, the Chaznesh and others use this as a source that if let's say it is Zmantfila is coming up, right? And you have to say Shema, let's say, uh, before Zman Kriyashma, the Chaznesh says, you see that you can start Shema one second before the end of uh, Zman Kriyashma and continue after. Learn from Bill. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, uh, because, because uh, uh, you know, we see that you have to start before and then you can kind of stretch the time based on that. But the Gemara says that Bilaam could have said color. That's all I can say, destroy. Um, so that maybe would have been the curse or something. But again, right, Bil and, and Bilaam, Bilaam is, is Nepach, so his, his effect stays. Now, what's interesting is that there's the uh, other measures we talked about in the past, right? That Bilam is not only bad now, right? Bilam, in fact, is the architect of the slavery in Egypt, right? According to the uh, famous Madras, right? That Bilam, Yisro, and Eo were sitting by Paro. They were the three advisors. And the Madras writes that Bilam was the one who gave the eight Sarah. Uh, Yisro ran away. And that's why he, he merited to have uh, the courts and his, you know, you know the the Jewish uh, uh, legal system come from his descendants and his ideas, and uh, Eof uh, kept quiet, and that's why he suffered there, uh, because he was not because he didn't care about 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 other people's screams or whatever. So we had that whole uh, brisker up. But Bilam again appears there. Not only that, there's another message that says Bilam ben Baar, who was Baar Lava, that Bilam descends from Lava. Okay, so let's kind of put together this midrashic puzzle of who Bilam was. Okay, and obviously, you know, it's a it's a it's a madras. We have to take it, you know, uh, with that with that spirit. But Bilam, okay, we have the so descendant of Lavan, kind of the Lavan flavor. So the Gemara says um, because Ba'ar that there's something that, that he came onto an animal or something. The Gemara has some creative explanation why it's love. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to find the Gemara and send it to you. But the Gemara says, the Gemara has some uh, Misora that, that he comes from, from Bob. Which, which is, again, right, it's fascinating because it, it again casts it as another family conflict, right? We have from Balak coming Rus, the relationship between Balak and David, right? Bilam comes from Lavan, who is a, a you know, <laughs> the cousins of the Jews, the architect of their destruction. Bikesh, you know, Bikesh Lavan, uh, Lakar, Lakar Es Hakal, kind of the, that Lavan in some senses, the father of 75% of Jewish genes, right? While also kind of the, 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 the ancestor, according to this Madrash of the person who tries to architect the, the, the kind of the, the uh, destruction of, a, of the Jewish people. Bilam is, uh, you know, below Am, um, he's this 
stateless person who who doesn't have a share in the world to come, who has this entire, you know, interesting arc where he's, he's, he's a prophet of the same greatness as Moshe, yet he's a despicable guy. Yet the, there's a, uh, the Reb Nassim that writes that Bilam, like Moshe, was born circumcised. He was Nailud Mahal, which, which is interesting because it's like a, normally, you know, you say Nailud Mahal, whatever it means, it's like a sign of righteousness. Right, and then there's 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 Bella, right? Who's <laughs> like, you know, obviously writes it says Mahu, you know, the counterbalance to Moshe, you know. So so what's going on over here? This Bilam is very complicated. One of the Mefarshim explains that, that one of the lessons we have to learn from Bilam is that in many ways, Bilam, we we, we are all a Bilam. To some extent. And the idea is, is that Bilam is somebody who is born and given the privilege of the same mission as Moshe. Mm-hmm. And Moshe was born Mahal, the, the house was filled with light, but Moshe's journey was not predestined in any way. The Mepharshim go through the whole journey of Moshe, all the choices he had to make burying the, the, you know, killing, killing the Mitzri, stopping the fighting of his brothers, saving the lamb, stopping to look at the burning bush. There's a whole journey of motion. There's a journey of Billa. He's born with the same potential. The mission he's given is the same mission as Moshe. Moshe is there to bring the Jewish people close to God. Billam is there to bring the nations close to God. God is a universal God, as you pointed out. It was for everyone. The Jews had their Moshe, the, the nations had their Bilam, and that is who, that is what he was able to do. Bilam did not go that way. Bilam chose to be different. So why do the other nations get blamed for this? Because my father said me, I forget, I forget from, from which source this. Because a nation deserves its leaders. It says that, and I know that we're all kind of grimacing on this, uh, <laughs> but, but it's, it's that for a melech, a navi, and I forget, there's one more status, they don't have real bechiri. They don't have real free will. Because once they get into that position, leave malachim biyad Hashem, they become pawns in God's hand. And they become kind of agents of what the nation needs or deserves or whatever. Had the people wanted someone like Moshe, had there been a drive for a Moshe, Bilam could have been a Moshe. Or there could have been another person like Bilam. Right? Had Moshe not made the choices he made, there would have been Ravach Vahatzala, right? As, 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 as Mordechai tells Esther, me, uh, uh, me, Makomacha, right? There would have been another savior of the Jews. There would have been another savior of Moab, another savior of Midian, had it not been Bilam. But Moab, but Balak didn't want that. To them, Bilam was a weapon, a very effective weapon that you go, you hire, point him at your enemy or a small part of them, as we say, right? And point and click, right? That that was that that was Bilam. And Bilam himself. Goes through this incredible revelatory experience, right? And doesn't change. 
and we laugh at Bilam, we're shocked by Bilam, right? This, this kind of, you know, evil Bilam. But I mean, we also have revelatory experiences and we don't change or, or moments of clarity or whatever it is that, that we don't, that, that, right? Life passes us by all the time. What does it mean? Why this whole connection to Lava? Lava has a very interesting role in kind of the Midrasha context. That, Lavan was considered to be in many. Why is Lavan so evil, right? If you think about the villains in Jewish history, right? Yeah, God said he wants to destroy everybody, right? But if you think about the villains, right? I always found this very interesting. But there's comical villains in Jewish history, and there are scary villains in Jewish history, right? Nobody laughs at Para, right? Hey, Para in pajamas in the middle of the night. But for the most part, Para, we kind of think of Para as scary, right? Destructive, right? Oh, it's actually. Ira, Ira, no, 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 how about song? My father showed me that it's been translated, I think, into, they have it in, I forget, some kind of crazy number of languages, a different version of the song. It's been sung for, they have records for a long time, I forget, hundreds of years. Paray in pajamas in the middle of the night, when Paray goes to get Moshe, Paray goes to get Moshe to go, to go to, uh, to, uh, to, yeah, to leave Egypt. So he runs through to, to, to what's it called? To Goshen in the middle of the night. So the song of Pari and Pajamas in the middle of the night. I'm, I'm messing up the tune, right? Pari and Pajamas in the middle, right? So, so it's like, a, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Pari and Pajamas in the middle of the night. So it's like, but in general, Pari we kind of contextualize as a scary villain, right? Asa, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Who are our funny villains, right? Bila, Lavan. Haman, right? We kind of and, and we and even though like Haman, I mean, the genocidal, effective genocidal name, right? Uh, yeah. But it's come up is right, but Lavan, are we really? I don't. Lavan and my my. I always think of Lavan as, you know, uh, if you read uh, O Henry, so he has so so one of O Henry's heroes is Jeff Peters, right? Uh, Jeff Peters, he's one of the con men. He comes up and uh, he went playing a bunch of different uh, O'Henry stories, like the ransom of the of the Red Chief, among others. And Jeff Peters is a con man who's trying to rob widows and trying to rob. He's not a good guy, but you like Jeff. Peters. You like you like love him a little, you know. He's a you know he's a wheeler dealer who tries to scam and do things and whatever, you know. He's a but but love him in reality. If you look at the sources, is this person who wanted to destroy Yaakov. And not only that, it's, it says that when he was coming to, you know, uh, before Hashem stopped him, he was going to wipe everybody out. And, and so he's somebody who, in many ways, the way they describe love on his Mida and kind of the Balin Buster is he's self-centered. As long as his family is with him and they're his and they belong to him and uh, 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 you took my, you stole my, my sons and my daughters, right? Love on everything revolves around what Yaakov could do for him, what you know, what he can get from what he, there's a certain self centeredness. And a lot of the root, the way they say the kind of the, the Shoresh of love and evil is self centeredness. And it's in many ways mirrored how does. By Yaakov, right? Lavan is self-centered, which is Lovad. Yaakov, right? Uh, uh, Yaakov Levado. He's a Lovad. How does Bilam describe the Jewish people in the blessings? 
right? Uh, uh, right? The nation that dwells alone. So there is a kind of aloneness, a self-centeredness, but by the Jews, it has one context, the lone nation, one that they're more of a sense of like they're abandoned or they're self-sufficient, as opposed to by Lavan, it's a self-centered. And Bilam, right, the whole story, it's about him. What could he get from Balak? I feel nothingly, right, right, uh, um, uh, right, I can't go against God. And Rashi over there says, and this is, you know, to, to, to your point, right, that we're trying to cast everything negatively, right, but, you know, please give me a house full of silver and gold, right, this, is this these two separate separate areas? And how does it end for Bilam in this story? It ends for Bilam in this story that he loses his entire self. He becomes a vessel. The Bilam that was the, the Bilam, the descendant of Lavan, that's all focused on Bilam, loses all of that and becomes a vessel. Divine spirit flows through. He sees, he loses all his all, all of his agency. It doesn't change him. He doesn't learn from. But the lesson that we learn is that he is this kind of the epitome of the agent, right? It's all about me. I have the power. I will do, right? And, you know, obviously, you know, God lets, whatever it is, but there's a certain kind of villain. Well, he has all the stratagems. He'll figure it out. He'll put the carbonus over here and, and shift the pollock, you know, look a little this way, cover your eyes so you don't see this. And, and, and then that he just has no agency. Also because the power, right, to go fight against Yaakov. Right. Moshe was somewhere to Yaakov, right, the power, you know, uh, uh, call Yaakov, right, power speech, yeah, because the power of Asa failed because Amalek lost twice against the Jews. So he wanted to try to use the, 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 the power of speech. But so that's, so that's, that's built, okay? Um, as opposed to the Levad, the Levad of the Jews, we're going to kind of, you know, uh, read about now a little bit, is something else. What does it mean the Jew dwells alone? And many people read that as an incredibly kind of victimizing statement, right? The Jew dwells alone, who speaks for us? I saw an article, you know, who speaks for this kind of, you know, nobody likes us, you know, yeah, like, I understand it. This is, we have 2,000 years of really unpleasant diaspora and anti-Semitism is real. I'm not trying to mitigate that. But, but as, and this is, I, I talked about this last year, Tishbub as well, that we, we've turned this whole conversation about the Jew dwells alone almost kind of into like a orgy of self-pity, of like, of, of disempowerment, right? That, that we, we have, we are victims who nobody wants to deal with. And that's not, if you look, and when we get, as we're getting into the three weeks starting, starting Sunday, and that, that's not how the sages talk about anti-Semitism itself. It's not, it's not about what other people do to us. It's about what we do and what we could do. And the Levad, the Levad, the Yaakov Levad is the opposite thing. It's that we do not need anybody else to actualize ourselves. We could live alone. We couldn't grow alone. By giving us the Torah, by giving us what we have, we have the tools. We are not reliant on anyone else. The nations, according to the Rambam, directly, according to the Ramban, indirectly, require 
kind of revelation or or kind of the the the, the spirituality kind of coming through uh, the Torah that was not given. They can actualize themselves as well, but there's, there's this kind of the the pinnacle, right? The Jews is Laval. The problems that we face, we can solve. We have the power to change reality. That's Laval. And the criticism of us and what we're supposed to be focusing on during the three weeks is that we don't use that power or that we sin very cheerfully and um, then, you know, bad things happen and we have to take a lesson and, and grow. And that's really the, the, the the underlying message of the whole Chumash Dvar, in many senses, right? That you will, you know, if you're good, things will be good. If not, you will sin, and then you will come back, and you will, right? There, this, that is the Levat. It's a different kind. So let's look at the at the at the blessings, if you don't mind, of um, of of Bilam, Now that we kind of spent a while talking about Bilam. and uh, Pasuk of uh, Gimel, uh, Herman, if you don't mind, starting us off. So Parak, sorry, Parak, Parak, Parak Chav Gimel. Um, I guess, I guess, let's start from the blessings themselves. So Parak Chav uh, Gimel Pasuk Zion. So Parak Gimel uh, verse, chapter twenty-three, verse seven. Yeah. So uh, twenty-three. It's uh, if you have the hertz, it's six seventy-four. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. So the, here's the first blessing, right? The first blessing. Um, the first question is, how can I curse while Shabbos not cursed, right? Then he says three things. Who has counted the dust of Yaakov, right? So first we said this part that we said before, people that 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 dwell alone. But who has counted, right? Umispar es rova Yisrael. So interestingly, Hertz translates it as the stock of Israel. Uh, Art scroll, I think, brings a brings an explanation of the quarter of it. Right? Reva. So the 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 question over here is is that is that um, they are the Jews were counted, right? They were actually counted already two times. Uh, not all the Jews, you know, the 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 Jewish military, but but what's this notion of of who counts the what's the afar Yaakov, the dust of Yaakov? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
No, no. So she's saying that that it's, it's so and, and it's so embraces. If you look at the at the at the Brisbane Bin Habasarim and Parshas Lachlocha. So uh, it says over there. If you look at page, um, so this is page. Um, actually, no Lachlocha very well because I learned it with Chaim Shamshet. <laughs> he had to do it for school, so I had to repeat it a lot of times. Um, here we go. It's in. Yeah, it's in it's in Tazvav. Also, the pasuk ends v'chein lo yimoneh. Okay, so so look at look at verse five. Yeah, thank you. You got verse five, right? So uh, so this is on page fifty four. Um, so over here he he calls them the stars, but the the afar he the dust of the earth he calls them some. Oh, you know where I think he refers to them as the dust of the sand, but by 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 Yaakov, when in the beginning of uh by Yishlak, does that make sense? Beginning of by Yishlak. There's a column sand over here because over here I see. I think in the beginning of Vayeshlach, um, and then there's a there's a discussion actually about why. Here, let's see. Beginning of Vayeshlach. And ashes, all oh, the ashes of the Jews. Ah, uh-huh. oh, interesting. Uh, over here, I want to see where he's at over here. Um, Katainti. Where I'm trying to remember where where where, where is the first mention of Kikai as of. Where's the first mention of, 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 of the Jews being compared to the dust? It's, it's by Avram somewhere else? I remember it's uh, it, there, right? No, I, I, I saw Pierce's book by Yaakov, but I'm also wrong. Okay, so, so but we know there, there, is a, there is another mention of the Jews as Afar, right? Like on, on Kafar Arat, right, and there's a discussion about why. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what we got a quarter. Okay. When the three caps of the the Kohadim of the VMN. Right. Oh, so he was only able to see correct because he only saw a little bit of. Oh, I see. Because he only saw one dagger, one cap, which was a quarter. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Okay. So um, okay, so so uh what does this mean, right? When he says, when he says that, how do I count this? What's the dust of Yaakov, the Afar Yaakov? And uh, the Rova Yisrael, Herman's pointing out, if you go with 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 the quarter, is because all he was able to see was one dagger. But the problem is, is that again, a the Jews were counted. B why are why are we referring to them? You know, and and what and what and what Paul was saying that the word uh, Rova also means um, kind of dust. What's this notion of the dust of Yaakov? So the Psalm of Farsham explained that, that, that the dust of Yaakov, it says, when are Jews uh, compared to the stars? 
when they're kind of achieving their 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 spiritual potential and when they return um, uh, uh, refer to the to the dust when they're kind of low and not and not and not and not behaving and what he is telling so the part that what he's telling um what he's telling uh Balak, the prophecy and the bracha of Balak, is that just because the Jews are down doesn't mean they're out, right? The mechanism of how the curse was supposed to work was that there's this moment of God's anger when God latches onto the evil that people do, focuses on that, whatever that means. And that, and and what Willem is saying is, is that there is a faith, right? That, that you know, uh, um, uh, there's a faith even in the worst, worst possible Jew that repentance is possible, right? There is a, uh, I remember the way it was phrased at the time. There is a there is a there is a chazaka. There is an assumption that they won't that an evil person will not be the same tomorrow. In fact, there's a halacha in Gitten in in in, in uh, uh, kedushin that 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 if a person marries a woman and says on the condition that I'm a righteous person, the wedding, no matter how bad, no matter how bad he is, the wedding works. Why? Because we believe that they repented at that. They changed at that moment because the capacity is always there and always achievable. So me, not so how could you, you can't count on the Afar Yaakov. You can't count on the lowliness of Yaakov because they're always able to change. That's the blessing. Um, okay, so, so let's go to, to the next blessing. Yeah, please. Yeah, sure, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to die like he dies. Um, also echoes Ruth a little, right? Oh, but, 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 oh that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, where where but, you die, I yeah, die. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. But Ruth also wants to have the life. Right. Not just die. <laughs> Somehow. He wants to skip. He wants to skip the process. <laughs> Living righteous is for others, but a righteous death, I still want. Right, that's a good point. <laughs> but, uh, it's a beautiful phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, he's pledging his life to this. Yeah, he, 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 it's, it's funny again because like it's this clarity moment that. I want to, I, you know, and I, I know this because, like, you know, I, I, every once in a while I meet like a really good person, you know, like a person living a really ideal life, and I'm like, I want that life. <laughs> Am I prepared to do what it takes to get me to that life? How I, you know, maybe one day, but, but like, I want, I want that, some, I want that, that some, I want that, that life, I want that wholesomeness, I want that goodness. Like, I wish I could be like that person, live that life. And like it feels like you know, Billum has like he's looking out and he has this kind of clarity, you know, and he's he he wants this life, you know. Um, okay, so so let's let's go to uh um to to to, to the next blessing, and that starts uh that starts verse uh, uh, uh verse 18. Uh Judy, do, uh, uh, do you mind reading from from uh verse 18 the blessing? English, please, yeah, thank you. Give ear unto me, like son of Kippur. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. When he has said he will not, 
he said he should repent when he has said that he will not do it, or when he has spoken, will he not make it good? Behold, I am bidden to bless, and when he has blessed, I cannot hold back. None has beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has one seen perverseness in Israel. God, the Lord it is God is with him, and the shouting for the king is among them. God who brought them forth out of Egypt is for them like the lofty horns of the wild ox, for there is no enchantment with Jacob, neither is there any divination with Israel. Now it is said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath not wrought? Behold, a people that riseth up as a lioness, and as a lion that can lift himself up, he shall not lie down until he eat of, his, of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Right. So this is a very packed, this is a very packed blessing. That's a packed. So so the 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 so there is a bunch of I think kind of interesting phrases here that are worth looking into, right? So we start from the from the from the first, right? The first, the Mafarsham explained that what, what does it mean that God is not a man who lies, right? Um, it's a real indictment of humanity, but uh it's it's also right that God has already said he will not curse the Jews, right? Balak is still trying, mm -hmm. sacrificing. And Bilaam says to him, like, what do you okay. think is going to change? I don't lie. But the problem is that we do that, not as people. We expect God to change, right? We bring our sacrifices saying, you've decreed this terrible decree or you've done this thing. You have to change. God has to change. And here there is this very interesting uh, 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 moment is that we know that when God gives us a prophecy, if it's a bad prophecy, it could change, right? And you can dive in and you can change a bad prophecy, the Ramam writes, and other say could change with Tefillah and whatever. So Xera can change, Shuva, everything, they, 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 they could change a evil decree. A good prophecy cannot change. It cannot be changed. And even and there's lots of discussions, you know, but, but a good prophecy cannot be changed. Was the prophecy that Bilam said, I will not curse the Jews, good or bad? So for Balak, it's a bad prophecy, right? <laughs> because for Balak, right, there are these people who are coming. And even though, you know, the truth was that the Jews were not going to invade Moab, and they had told them that they were not going to invade Moab, and Balak was reacting out of fear and he was wrong. But, but from Balak's perspective, this was a bad prophecy that you can bring enough sacrifices and you could change. And here, kind of, Bilam is teaching him the kind of Judeo centric perspective of God that it mattered that, that low, right, low hibit of Abiyakov, they do not have the level of sin or I don't. A sin by looking into the Jews, right? They're, even though they've sinned in the past, right now they are they are they are good, and since they are good, they are the context. And right, so therefore, this cannot be changed. What does it mean in Shuas The commentaries refer to the chatzotras. This is referring to the silver trumpets that they blew when they when they traveled. Why were these trumpets so symbolic of anything? So we've talked about the trumpets in the past, how they relate to the right uh, to the shofar. That 
We also talk about it on uh, Rosh Hashanah, right? This, these are one of the verses that we that we read in uh, Malchus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and no, am I right? Is it Malchus or or uh, I think it's Malchus? It's a show for us. And Melech, right? So I think it's, so. So I think I, I think it's in, I, 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 I'm almost positive it's in it's in it's in Malchus, right? And yeah, because I think we say right before we say uh uh and there's a whole madras about Shlomo that he was trying to bring in the Aro and the walls of the base. I mean, just wanted to uh collapse on him. So there there is a so the the Chatzotras, as we said, are a symbolic of the Jews' ability to take a message and repent. The notion of blowing the shofar, right, is to remind the Jews of God and to remind them that that they that, that they that they have to change their ways. And in there lies the power. So, they, so there's a partial point, I think it's the, the Ibn Ezra over here, that points out the difference in language between uh uh seeing as uh habat habait 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 means to inquire. So because the Jews sin plenty, right? Throughout the desert they sin plenty. So so right, so on the ra'ah, when they see, they see plenty of sin. But the hibit is that even when they sin, they repent. And we saw in last week's parsha, right, that when the Jews sin by the Meimariva, the first thing they say afterwards is chatas. Uh, That's sorry, not by me, I apologize. By by uh, by the man. Sorry, and they sin and they say the man and the snakes come. They take a message and chatas, uh, and they got to the level of repentance. So that's so right. Usuras uh, is that they have the power to recognize their mistakes and change. Um, then, then there's a discussion of uh, um, uh, um, of uh, is that there's a discussion about and Pare also has this whole discussion, right? Is that they were familiar with magic and with incantations, and the idea behind the magic and incantation is. This notion of the external force. That it's something, it's kind of, you know, something that, that is kind of an external support, an external force, right? You, 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 it's this is not coming from any kind of internal intrinsic thing. And what he's saying is that the power of the Jews is not external. It's not because they have magic or power or Moshe's particularly good at getting water out of rocks and turning things into snakes or splitting seas. They're not working with that. They kind of have this intrinsic value. And then what's most interesting is at the very end, they crouch like a lion. The Gemara and Brachel says that there was a um, idea that they asked that maybe we, instead of saying Shema or part of Shema, we should have put Parshas Baal. And the Gemara says, because it would have been too long for us to him. Um, <laughs> so instead we added on um, but, Zimmer. But they... But, but uh, no, so so what Rashi over there says that instead of and when you wake up and when you go to sleep with the walls of Shema, we would have had um, uh, uh, we we would have had this pasuk of um, of uh, sorry heinam ke lavi Yaakov bechariis nasa loy yishkav. So this notion of uh, you know, getting up and crouching. And Rashi over here explains that this is referring to the Jews waking up early to go grab mitzvahs. Kind of having having an ambition 
for mitzvahs. And again, this is another point of the power of the Jews. Not only is their capacity to uh, uh, um, uh, repent, but their ambition for good. Um, it's, it's, it's very familiar to, 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 to the, this bracha. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more by the bracha of Yehuda. Um, in, it's a bracha because I was thinking in, uh, in, in Bracious. In Bracious is a similar language. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Uh, 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 yeah, go right in there. So in Bracious, they 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 in, in, in the breath of Yaakov he uses language of um here. Uh if you look at so if you look at page um, 184 on the bottom. Uh, Yehuda, so the first, sorry, with uh, uh, 185. Gor, Gor, Yehuda, So that's where, yeah, so yeah, it, it is a very similar language, yeah. The rousing of the lion. Okay, now let's go to the last bracha of Bilab and, and pay attention to, to, to the, and, to the language there, right? If you look at, so let's go to uh, verse 677, and for if you don't mind, um, so sorry, page six, um, on page 677, uh, verse one. But before we look at that, look at, um, look at uh, here. Um, here, sorry. Uh, look at verse. Sorry, uh, uh, look at chapter twenty-three, verse sixteen first. Vayikar Hashem el Bilam, vayasem davar b'fiv. Hashem meets Bilam, and he placed words in his mouth. Vayomer shuv el balak b'chosedaber. Right, return, return to Bal. Um, then, if you look at at at, at chapter twenty-three, verse six. We see a very, very similar thing. Sorry, uh, uh, verse five. I thought it's Vayasem uh, Hashem Davar Befi Bila, right? Hashem placed his words in the mouth of Bila. So, chapter twenty-three, verse verse five. Chapter twenty-three, uh, verse um, verse uh, uh, sixteen, right? The first two blessings are Hashem is Vayasem Hashem Davar Befi Bila. Okay, he puts words in Bila's mouth. This is not Bill. I'm talking. He puts words in Bill's mouth. Now let's. So, Torah, if you don't mind, from chapter twenty-four, verse one. The same is the the same the word of God, to see the vision of the Almighty, down with his open eyes, 
How good we are, like Jacob, great body to the world. As valleys stretched out, as gardens by the riverside, as arrows planted of the world, as cedars beside the waters, waters shall flow from his branches, and his seed shall be in many waters, and the king shall be higher than our God, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God who brought us both out of Egypt is again like the lofty horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations that are his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces, and pierce them through with his arrows. arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a lioness, who shall rise him up? Blessed be everyone that blesseth, blesseth thee, and curse be everyone that curses thee. Right, so here we see a transformed Bilaam, right? Yeah. Bilaam sees it. He sees it, right? I have to say that to me, it's hard for me to, to not get emotional reading these psukim. I think these are my favorite. I should say, I can't say that, but the psukim that I kind of, I, 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 I love these psukim. And this whole kind of, this, 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 beauty, this kind of beautiful verse of, um, um, uh, here, Neum Shemeya Im Rekel, Asher Makzeh Shaday Chazem Rekel, um uh uh no sorry before that uh right the 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 open eye the opening of the eyes right this this and what's fascinating is that the language over here right before he starts prophesizing right after Yaakov hears that 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 Yosef is alive the saddest right uh, right? That he did this. Sorry, it's a different than there. It's language. It's uh, it's 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 batachi. Right? Sorry, it's it's not the same. Um, but, but no, no. So so No, I thought it was similar language by by Yaakov. It wasn't. But batachi Right? He and then he. This is his his thing. And So what are the The commentaries explain. That some say it's referring to the tents, which he saw, how you know, kind of the the modesty of the Jewish people. Others say the Ohalecha is referring to the Bate uh, Midrashim, and the Mishkanosecha are referring to the Bate Knesios, the synagogues and the places of learning. Others say that Ohalecha are referring to the Mishkanot, to, 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 to the Mishkan, and ironically, Mishkanosecha is referring to the temples, the actual built built structures. So lots of different explanations. And, um, but, but here, right, what's fascinating is the final, final, final words. Avram, exactly. The blessing given to Avram by Hashem when Avram sets off on this journey. And it's, it's this recognition that the Jews had actualized. Avram was the beginning, the journey, and now he's looking out, he sees the Jewish people, they're about to enter the land of Israel. The journey of Avram is coming to an end. And the, 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 we're coming to the end of the story. And yeah, we're going to have Matos Mazze. We're going to have Moshe yelling at the Jews for another while. But, but in many ways, Balak, sorry, sorry, Bilam, stands up and he says, the promise was kept. And he is able to testify to the greatness of the Jews and to the power of the Jewish people at that moment. And it's, 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 and this is why the Gemara says that this blessing will never turn to a curse. Because even though 
it feels like we no longer have all that. And the story of Avram kind of was going backwards that we're spread out and we don't have the blessing is still with us. We still have this strength that Bilam saw in us. And according to the commentaries, it is preserved by the way we preserve our community, our learning through our through our through our Torah and uh, the Mishkosechis uh, 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 Yisrael. And to end the class, and this is my final class here in Stony Brook, um, really this is a power that we have here. There's a very interesting medrash in Eicha. The med, so it says, Tishtapechna Avne Kodesh Beros Kal Chutzos. And the medrash in Eicha says, that when Hashem destroyed the base of Megdash, the shards flew, every, flew out all, um, uh, all over the world, and where the shards landed, a base medrash, a, a show, was eventually built. And it's, it's, it's kind of romantic for me to think that there was, you know, this moment, you know, when the base medrash was destroyed at the darkest times, right, this beautiful show was built in Stony and there are many shows in Stony but our show was the shards. The, the, the shards that landed here, and it, it really is a, a a light in the darkness, at least for 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 me. That's how I experienced the show, and uh, the power of the show. And and you know, like Billam, you know, as I'm standing from afar, you know, hopefully heading to Israel, I'm turning back and saying, "Atov Yisrael," and uh, thank you guys for, for being part of, of, of this Parsha class, and I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I learned a lot from everyone over the course of the past few, uh, four years. A lot of Kabbalah, Herman, um, <laughs> and and uh, and 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 an open mindedness to Kabbalah. That's important. That's important. And uh, the Richmond, thank you much for hosting it and making it possible. And uh, this is a beautiful Mishkan. So thank you everyone and have a have a L'chaim, L'chaim all.